LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. G'day, I'm Derek Hanna. And I'm Scott Sanders. Welcome to The One Thing, a podcast designed to give you one solid practical tip for gospel-centered ministry every week. And we have Sam Chan on the line today. Scott, we've well, had him on before. We've had him on a number of times. He's been on a few times. Uh, and it was interesting just talking with Sam just a second ago about sort of doctoring in the midst of COVID. So you had six weeks off. I had six weeks off. So I work as a surgical assistant in elective surgery in a private hospital. And when COVID was coming, actually none of us took it seriously. We actually did not think it was gonna be a thing. I still remember my surgeon as a joke, giving me a bottle of Corona beer, like ha ha, Corona, and a toilet roll. This is around March. And then boom, it hit us that this thing is serious. Well, uh, one of the things it has done though, amidst the crisis, is created opportunities for conversation, uh, even amidst all the stuff that's going on. And that's exactly why, as well as hearing stories from the front line of you being Dr. Sam, around personal evangelism post-COVID, because you've been putting together some materials, some thoughts uh, in your work with City Bible Forum and Third Space um, about what evangelism is going to look like afterwards. So that's what we're going to dig into now. Well, the one thing is brought to you thanks to Geneva Push, the Australian Church Planning Network, and we are proudly part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. We encourage you to check out our network page on iTunes and see all the other quality Christian podcasts there. Can you talk to us a little bit, Sam, about how you see Australia having changed as a result of COVID? I think Australia overnight just became this very cautious country. And you know, other countries had a much more cavalier attitude. Maybe they're paying for it now. But Australians were overly cautious. And apparently we, of all countries, hoarded the most on toilet paper. And I remember in the early days of COVID, we used to laugh at the Asian countries. But when the data was exposed, we were worse than any other nation when it comes to hoarding. So we were more panicky and more cautious than we would care to admit. Now, you you talked about there being no happy uh, ever after out of this. Is is it, like, is it, is that the case? Like, I feel like we, we have, you know, dodged a massive bullet. I feel like there is a happy ever after. Yes, yes, we've seen, um, you know, high rates of unemployment. We've got a lot of financial uncertainty out there. But for the most part, we've, we're, we haven't been exposed to death uh, or the deaths that we anticipate. We haven't been exposed to the widespread uh, infection uh, from COVID. Uh, it, it, aren't, we, aren't we the lucky country? Isn't it, isn't it, you know, happy days? So in my book, I push out how COVID challenged our Western individualism story where, you know, we're free, we're individuals, we do whatever it takes to be happy. And suddenly COVID said, no, you're not free. You have social responsibility. Uh, You have no control. Your your 2020 diary just got wiped out. And, you know, there's contingency. You you have no idea. There's uncertainty. You don't know what's going to happen. So it's almost like the Western storyline overnight was exposed, deconstructed, and the happy ending we thought were guaranteed was taken away from us. And most countries are still going through that. But Australia, out of almost any other Western country and New Zealand, we've come through unscathed. We've got the happy ever after that the Western storyline promises us. But here's the interesting thing. Um, surveys are still showing as we're coming out of the curve, coming out of isolation, there's this 
50% Australians don't want to go to work yet. They don't want to return. They don't want to come out of isolation. Now, in a simple sense, there's the reverse culture shock. But in another sense, we're still very anxious, even though we don't want to talk about it. There's still a lot of fear and uncertainty. So, Sam, I mean, I can, I can hear your emotion and you, and you talk yeah. about emotional entry points. And, you know, the emotional entry point maybe three months ago was I've had to cancel my holiday to Bali. Um, yeah. And we're not going, we're not going to Queensland anymore. And it looks like probably won't be, we, got, we won't be going to Queensland for a while, but, uh, but these emotional entry points, they haven't been as significant. Are, are they still, are they still there? Well, ex- ex- explain emotional entry points I, and, and how they play a role in sharing. Jesus. Yeah. In my post COVID playbook, I talk about how we need to explore different emotional entry points to the gospel And I take us to Acts 16, where I heard in a Timothy Keller sermon, we see three different emotional entry points to the gospel. Because in Acts 16, Paul and Barnabas reason Lydia into the gospel through a discussion, uh, through logic, she's reasoned into the gospel. But we have the servant girl who lives in fear of the unseen, you know, literal demons, and she's under the power of her masters. Uh, But she has a power encounter with Jesus, and she set free and the final one is the jailer whose life literally falls apart in front of him his jail falls apart in front of him but he sees in paul and silas a way of life that works they're singing and worshiping and praying while in chains and he says to them hey i want what you have i want your peace i want your shalom so there are three different emotional entry points in the gospel reason and logic and i think we've used that a lot typically in the church that's why we have bible studies we have debates we have forums Uh, We have question and answer time. Uh, But with the servant girl, I think with COVID, when we have this feeling of impending doom, the fear of the unseen, things that we can't control, Jesus offered us a freedom. But now as we come out of COVID, I think more and more of us have the emotional entry point of the jailer. Hey, my world just fell apart. Uh, But these Christians seem to have a life, a way of life that works. They're worshipping, they're singing. They're praying. They weren't affected by the crisis at all in the same way I was. I think I want what they have. I want a shalom, a peace. And I think even as we're coming out of COVID, there's a cautious optimism, Mm -hmm. you know, because sports is starting again. Everything's gradually coming out of lockdown. And we feel like, you know, there was no COVID. But again, studies show 50% of Australians don't want to go back to work. But I, I think we can lean into that emotional entry point. Hey, how's... How are things going? How are things really going? Maybe that's what I've noticed at work. I call it the power of the second question. When I've asked people at work, hey, how are things? Everyone goes, oh, things are great. But then I say, how are things really going? It's called the power of the second question. And people will say, oh, you know, it's not working. It it totally isn't working right now. And so I think we can explore this emotional entry point where we show people we have a way of life that seems to be working. We're, we're, we're worshipping, we're praying, we have a God who's got things under control. So you, you talk, Sam, about um, telling a better story, about um, speaking the gospel. How, how does that stuff, the uh, discombobulation of people's lives, the emotional turmoil that might be in that second question, how do you tell a better story that, that provokes thoughts around Jesus and the gospel in the moment? Yeah, well, so let me explain what I mean by telling a better story. And in my post-COVID playbook, I explain how up until now, Western secularism seems to have had the better story because Western secularism say, hey, uh, you are special. 
you are unique. On the day you were born, you are amazing. There was a golden you inside of you, but then everything messed you up. Authority figures messed you up. Your teachers, your parents, religion messed you up. So your project in life is just to be true to yourself. Don't listen to what other people say and just do whatever it takes to make you happy. And it's been a great storyline. It's the reason why you and I choose our own careers and we don't do the job that mum and dad tell us to do. It's why we choose the city we want to live in. We don't live in the village mum and dad grew up in. And we choose our life partner. We don't have to marry the person mum and dad want us to marry. So we've all benefited from this storyline. But just overnight, COVID has showed, you know, you don't have as much freedom, you don't have much control as you think you do. And if there is no God, here's the thing, if there is no God, you're just atoms and molecules, you're just another species of life on this planet, viruses come and go in the ebb and flow of life, species of life come and go in the ebb and flow of life. This thing that just happened, this pandemic, is just one of many things that happens in the randomness of the universe. But now with COVID, the Christian story is the better story because it says there's a God who loves you, who made you, he saves you, you're unique, you're in his image. He sent his son Jesus to die for you, to live for you. You can be part of his biggest story, part of his family, and every day is a day where you can bring his love, justice, mercy on this planet. So here's the thing. I, I remember flicking um, a link of one of my talks where I explained this to a doctor who was in isolation because he was immunocompromised. Yeah, he, he actually had to put himself in a bunker for like the last three months. And I flicked in this Christian story and said, you know what? That makes total sense because you have a reason, you have a purpose, you have a hope. Even though you don't understand what's going on, at least you know there's a God who has a purpose behind what's going on. Otherwise, it's just randomness, it's just blind chance and you don't matter. So I think we have the better story right now. So with secularism, it seemed like a better story because with no God is no responsibility. I can do whatever I want. The flip side to secularism was if there's no God, there's no purpose, but that's okay. I can pretend, create my own purpose and there's no you know, community, there's no responsibility, but that's okay. But now with COVID, so you know, the better story is God because I need a God who gives me purpose. And the responsibility thing wasn't such a bad thing at all. After all, we actually need a social responsibility. Hey, can I just push in something here? One of the challenges oh. I, when I find when I'm talking to you, you are, you're a good storyteller. You're an articulate guy. Uh, you're, uh, you know, you've got your head around the different angles that you can come from this from. Um, none of those things describe me in any way. None of those things. And none of them describe an average person either. How, do, how is it that you, when you're talking to mere mortals like me, how is it that, that um, we can have confidence? Because some of these things I've been talking to about friends who aren't Christians and friends who are Christians, how do you take this um, and push it into those real conversations? You know, people who may not be around the issues and be as articulate as you, how do you do that? Well, see, my wife is the complete opposite of me. Like, she hates public speaking, but she's a better evangelist than me. And so I copy her, and I call it the power of the second question. How are you going? How are you really going? She just came back from the school drop-off this morning, having talked to all the shopkeepers in our suburb. She came out like an hour later, and all she did was a power of the second question. How are you going? 
how are you really going? And that's when they feel permission to share, you know what, things aren't going well right now. And then the next thing she does, and I started doing this at work as well, is I say, hey, listen, my family and I, we pray every night. Uh, can I have your permission for us to pray for you? And then they say, that would be amazing. Please could you? And they say, well, what would you like us to pray about? And people are very happy to give you a prayer point. And the next time you say, hey, we, we prayed for you last night. How are you going again? And I've started doing that at work and people are very happy to share. And you know what? I, I've noticed when you start doing this, people actually come up to you and start sharing before you've even asked the second question. So yesterday I was just joking around with a, a nurse. Hey, how are things going? Oh, you missed out last week. The surgeon took us out for lunch and you missed out. And he said, oh, yeah, 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 silly me. And then he went, oh, my dad died on Saturday. And I went, wow. I thought he, there's no way he would have felt safe sharing that with anyone else in the hospital. I doubt if he shared that with anyone. But he shared it with me. And I said, oh, listen, this was just yesterday. I said, my wife and I, we pray every night. How can we pray for you? And then when I see him again this week at work, I'm going to say, hey, pray for you, pray for you. How are you going? And then I'll say simple things like, in your faith, how do you pray? And, so, and, then, and, then, and then get them talking about their faith. I think giving people permission to talk and showing that you have heard. So I, I say this, when I was trained in evangelism, I was trained by evangelists who were preachers. Uh, they were great preachers, but that was their model of evangelism, a 20-minute monologue. So we all thought evangelism was how to do a 20-minute monologue where you corner your opponent with a drop-the-mic moment and they go, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm so wrong. I'm going to tick the box and I'm going to become a Christian. And that works for public speakers like me and these people taught me in evangelism. But I think more and more we need to understand evangelism is like Evangelism is like a counsellor where it's done through dialogue and conversation. And you know how counsellors do it? That They barely say anything. They get you to talk for 90% of the time, but you felt heard and you just reveal more and more about yourself. And I think evangelism like that. Evangelise like a counsellor rather than like a public speaker and just give people permission to be vulnerable and talk and talk and talk. And there'll be that moment where they say, well, what do you think? How are you coping? And then they see you have a way of life that works, a faith that works. And give people, people, give people permission to bring up the sacred in secular spaces. That's great. All right, uh, let's just take a quick break and we're going to uh, hear a few things from Scott's Toolbox. Well, that was a great little introduction. I did like that. Uh, so obviously we've talked about the playbook. We'll put a link in the show notes. The first four uh, video episodes have dropped on the City Bible Forum website. Uh, also, if you haven't checked out City Bible Forum uh, in your capital city, check out the Ministry of City Bible Forum, a great ministry that encourages uh, workplace evangelism to take place. Second resource is Sam. Ch it wouldn't be an episode without Sam Chan without referencing one of Sam Chan's uh, two books. Um, we'll, represent, we'll, we'll reference the second one uh, on evangelism. So ch check the link, link in the show notes to that. And then uh, Sam's talked about a, a better story. There's a great book that tackles, I think, one of our, our really tough topics in our, in our secular culture, same-sex marriage. It's by Glenn Harrison, A Better Story. So uh, we'll put a link in the show notes uh, to that as well. Now, Sam, I wonder if you could finish. Tell us what's the one thing... Uh, that you want to say about personal evangelism in a post-COVID world? 
the power of the second question. How are you going? How are you really going? And then offer to pray for them. That's great. That's really helpful. Uh, simple advice. Derek, I reckon even you can do that. We'll see. We will see. Now, <laughs> um, yeah, if you've liked uh, what you've heard today on the show, we'd love you to put a comment in Facebook, uh, share this with your friends. I reckon today's episode is a really helpful one to share with people in your church. I'm Scott Sanders. I'm Derek Hanna. Chat soon. <laughs>